three, three, two, one. You wouldn't get it is back for the big episode 10 and we've got a great one today a very important one i'm very excited to get on with this episode because like i said it's going to be one of the more serious topics we've talked about but i also think it's going to be a very important one to talk about in the grand scheme of things so easton break it down and introduce our guest for today Sure. Yeah. So today we've got a little bit of the interaction between politics and sports. Um, If you followed us for a while, you know, we did an episode like this previously, Uh, but it's an important topic. It's extremely relevant right now um, with all the sports coming back and, you know, raising awareness about issues they have and doing it in different ways. And of course, to do this, we had to bring on the guest who has just the most gracious, luscious hair I've ever seen right now. You go ahead and introduce yourself, Mr. Momerski. Yeah, hi guys. Great to be on the podcast. I've listened to every episode so far. I like the diversity in it. Um, I'm Michael Momerstieg. Uh Most of you who listen to this maybe have listened to the previous podcast I had with Easton. I uh, went to school with both these guys. Recently graduated with my undergrad and pursuing my graduate degree in poli sci now. Uh, so they thought I would be a useful addition to this episode so glad to be here and more importantly he is a canadian so he can look on (laughs) into the american political scene exactly from it from the outside so before we really get into this episode we are talking about politics and sports and we're at a time uh in this country where politics can be pretty divisive and while this is a super important topic we also wanted to bring on a couple of different voices Um, to speak their mind on what they think it means that politics and sports are. So we asked the same question to everyone. We asked, what comes to your mind when I mention the phrase politics and sports to you? And do you believe athletes should be politically involved with sports? So this seems to be the huge question in our country today. And this is exactly what we asked them. So we will get audio clips playing right now. Grace Hales, Valparaiso University. What comes to my mind when I hear politics and sports is kind of a negative thought and how those two things should be put together. As athletes growing up, especially those of us who had to go through the recruiting process, I think we were always kind of taught not to post anything that won't help you get recruited. So obviously that's anything with profanity or underage drinking, all that. But not posting about political stuff was kind of an unsaid rule. You didn't want to upset anyone or make them not like you for your own beliefs. For me personally, I never knew anything about politics, so that was part of the reason I never wanted to talk about it. And I mean, I still don't know much about politics, but also I was just taught to keep a low-key profile. But now with what has been going on in the world, I've noticed it's finally starting to become more okay for athletes to come out and talk about these things. Whether that's Kobe talking about how women are disrespected in the sports world or LeBron talking about his political views, kind of like the whole shut up and dribble thing. And I think that people are starting to realize that being vocal about the racial issues that are happening in our country right now, that's not even political. I think people keep saying politics and sports when they're talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, for instance. But caring about everyone should not be seen as a liberal thing. By you caring about African-Americans, you shouldn't be put into a category of supporting a certain political party. 
how do we not all care about equality? That just doesn't really make sense to me. It feels political to me almost when I repost stuff about Black Lives Matter because that's how I've been taught just to not post things like that. And the way everybody has been talking about it, they act like it is political. But then I have to check myself and say, I don't care what people from my hometown might think about me posting this because this is what I believe in. And I need to use my platform as a college athlete or former college athlete to say it's not okay to ignore the things that my African-American friends and teammates are going through. And even if I can't get or even if I can get one racist person to read something educational about systematic racism or whatever it is, then at least I did something, even if it was very small. So that's why I think a lot of athletes have really been liking using their voice on social media because who knows, maybe it's not making a difference. But if one person becomes more educated by something you retweet or repost, I think that's a win. And some things are just bigger than sports. And if people want to pay attention to athletes on the field, you need to be giving them that same respect off of it as well. Aaron Gordon, Valparaiso University. Politics has always belonged in sports ever since the national anthem has been played in all American um, associated events. The biggest thing that I would have to imply here is that sports going to politics and politics going to sports as well as music, as well as other industries, as well as food. And one thing that I have always believed in is that Everyone should have their opinion and to be able to express it in the way that they want. And everyone can have their own opinion about others' opinion. And I believe that that is not making the sport uh, better or worse. I think that it's, you know, making people somewhat choose a side. And I think that obviously in America today, there are issues that a lot of people are wanting to, you know, put out there. And a lot of people are wanting to show and express their feelings on it and i think that is something that i believe you know we've always done and i think that now since there's been somewhat of a negative light now since i believe that a lot of people feel like uh it's a lot of shoving down the throat um i've always believed that it's a bigger issue than just the one at hand and sports is something that i believe can change the world in general and has changed the world and I've always been a strong believer in a freedom of speech and I do believe that there is politics in sports and I think that it is uh, fair and doing just that I don't think that you should make someone they don't want to believe in something or have their different their differences you know part of it but I do believe that at some point uh, people should be able to speak their mind and to be able to stand up for what they believe in because that is what America is all about. Nolan Tucker, Valparaiso University. You look at people like LeBron James and Colin Kaepernick, you know, these big celebrity-like athletes. You know, a lot of people look up to these guys, you know, they're, they're idols. Um, and, you know, because of that, they have a big influence on a lot of the public. And I really don't see an issue with people expressing their opinion and, you know, talking about things that they believe need to be changed. But, you know, something that I do think needs to be, I guess, talked about is the difference between politics 
and, you know, talking about what you think is right. So like, you know, in, in school, high school, middle school, like growing up, your teachers aren't allowed to talk about politics because of the influence they have on you. They're not supposed to be able to, you know, sway your opinion and stuff like that. And, you know, the way I see it with these athletes, if they're very publicly supporting these people, they're kind of doing the same thing with this, you know, younger, younger crowd, younger generation that looks up to them. Um, so me personally, like LeBron James and the NBA talking about justice and all that, is it something I, you know, necessarily agree with? Not exactly, but is it something that, you know, I think that they're using their position to try and do good for the world? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm okay with that, but you know, something that I don't necessarily agree with is when athletes use their position to, um, you know, persuade a younger audience, you know, uh, one way or another, you know, whether it's Democrat or Republican or, you know, whatever it is, political figures, I, I really don't think that's, uh, you know, ethically, a a good thing. Alex Tranen, 2020 graduate of the university of Southern California. The short answer is yes. Uh, but the longer answer has to do with, you know, what do I think of when I think of the term politics and sports? I think that question can be best answered with genuine historical context. And if you look at the State of the Union um, past when we created the, um, the Constitution and when it was ratified, so, you know, about the late 1790s to then the early 1800s, you'll actually see a ton of politics in sports. People that were running for office would host cockfighting tournaments. They would host, Thomas Jefferson hosted shooting tournaments. Uh, There were very widespread horse racing tournaments that were partisan. So they were, in order to garner party support, they would host sports tournaments and get people excited to come out and be a part of the political process. Now, this only really changed after the Civil War. During Reconstruction after the Civil War, black people actually had the right to vote, which was then further obfuscated uh, in, the pa- in the coming years by legislation. But you actually see the shift to politics needing to stay out of sports when black athletes were given a platform to mobilize black voters. And so if you really just look at the history since then, that's where you see people start talking about this civility. The Civil War was actually the first time that the National Anthem started playing at sports events. So these events were, A, always political, and B, actually became more politicized simply by playing the National Anthem. Now, I don't think that's really the question I'm being asked. I'm being asked, how do I feel about football players kneeling and the response to it? And in short, it's this. I don't know what the guy's name is, the uh, MMA guy who just, I think, fought last week. But he was wearing a MAGA hat and he got a call from Donald Trump. I saw a striking lack of outrage from conservatives about the fact that these politics were in sports. I also know that Colin Kaepernick was kneeling for multiple weeks 
before article news articles were done about him and people knew what he was doing. It was brought into a higher light and it was then able to be criticized. And so to me, the bottom line is, is that this is just another facet of racism. Politics has always been in sports. That's what history shows us. If you read a book and you actually look at what happened, politics has been inextricably tied to sports since the inception of this nation. So there is really no opinion to be had on politics and sports because it is as democratic as our institutions are inherently. Additionally, you just don't get to tell grown men what to do with their platform, grown men and women. You don't get to police people that are not government employees. Yes, you may uh, not allow teachers to be political in their classrooms. That's because they are employees of the government, and they are also tasked with giving a unbiased education to people. But you wouldn't get mad if your accountant was political. You wouldn't get mad if your dog groomer was political. You're mad because black men who are highly celebrated and have large platforms are speaking out on issues that affect our community. That's full stop, point blank period. There is no question about politics and sports. There is no feeling a certain way. It's very interesting to me that a lot of uh, right-leaning ideologies like to talk about small government and, and, you know, do whatever you want, swing your fist as long as it doesn't hit the face of anyone else, but then they want to be the thought police for what athletes do. It's, it's beyond hypocritical, and it's a bad faith argument. I would way prefer for them to say what they mean, which is, we want these black people to do sports for us and shut up. Shut up and dribble that, like was said to LeBron, is about the most disrespectful thing that I could possibly imagine, but also speaks exactly to what this base wants. They want to exploit black bodies for entertainment, and they want to be wholly ignorant or wholly unaffected by the issues that affect us. And we said no. And... There's really, you know, you can't really ask me about uh, whether or not politics belong in sports until we kind of talk about Donald Trump calling uh, a UFC fighter and giving him words of encouragement. That's ridiculous. Also, you know, MLB teams, NFL teams, and Super Bowl teams, Super Bowl, World Series, and NBA championship teams go to the White House. They go meet the president. They go to the state house. This is a political sphere. And if you were to imply to me at any point in history that pop culture is not used to influence the masses, you'd just be factually wrong. And so this is just another frontier that that people on the right, I, I dare say conservatives, I don't know, but someone wants to control the narrative of shut up and dribble, shut up and go away. But when we peacefully march in the street, it's an issue. If we boycott something, it's an issue. 
and, and taking a silent knee is also an issue. So the issue is not politics and sports. The issue is racism in sports. And politics will continue to be very, very prevalent in sports until the day comes that it is no longer necessary. All right, and we are back from that. All those guys did a phenomenal job. We really appreciate them coming on the show, offering their opinion. And it's just very important to have that diverse opinion out there today because we will all be talking about this for the rest of the episode, obviously. But there are a lot of different opinions on the topic, and we thought it would be important to get some different opinions. So thank you to Grace. Thank you to Aaron. Thank you to Alex. And thank you to Nolan for that. We do really appreciate it. So moving on in the episode. I think I should ask you guys the same question we just asked them. What comes to your mind when I mention the phrase politics and sports, and do you believe athletes should be politically involved with sports? Take it away. Um, well, obviously this is like highly debated now, and I think when you talk about divisive, I think this topic is divisive between one side of the political spectrum and the other, really, when you look at it from the outside. Um, when I kind of take an in-depth look at it, I don't see what the the criticism to athletes being vocal in terms of politics is. They're, most of them, at least, like not all of them in a lot of the sports are citizens, but at least the citizens of a lot of the sports that we have, major sports in the United States, are registered or like legally allowed to vote. So they can choose who is in office before that for them. So why do they not get a say in what the government and what the politicians in their country are doing and what they see as right or what they see as wrong. No one really comes at Karen on when she makes a Facebook post about how she's pissed that two dudes are getting married or something like that. And if they do, it's because they generally with them if someone gets like upset or comments on that. And a lot of people that comment on the athletes speaking out on politics, they're just doing it because they're hating that they're actually making good points and that they're using their platform to kind of get the message that they're against out. So if you're going to be upset about the athletes, be honest with yourself and say why you're upset. You're upset because of the point that they're making is not the same as the one that you want to see being portrayed in society. Don't get mad just because you think that they shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. And again, thank you to everyone who threw in those audio clips but uh i think mama really hit it right on the head there and i've had a few conversations about this with some people that i guess you could say sort of disagree with the involving politics in sports um and i do get their point to where i guess you can make the argument that like okay we just want to watch the sports we don't want it to be political but i think with some of these issues what you run into is it's becoming such a bigger thing that these athletes realize they can use their influence um, to help with these situations. And it's really no different from, you know, a news anchor, let's say. What are they? They're, they're a person of influence who can easily spread their voice. Um, and that's what they're doing. They're putting out their views. So for these guys, you know, it's kind of anti-free speech, honestly, if you're saying that they should just stick to their sport and not focus on politics. It's not it's not doing justice to the communities that they came from when they want to speak about issues that they know are relevant in those communities. You know, all the all the props to them for making it out of the situations that they may have been in. Um, but they still know about these issues. They're not blind to them. So 
to say that they shouldn't speak out about, you know, what they're really feeling is is anti-American. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I mean, you guys have pretty much hit the nail on the head. And that's pretty much what it goes back to. The, the whole idea that people who disagree with all this, the sticks to sports, the shut up and dribble, uh, it, it doesn't really make much sense to me because they say, oh, these athletes, they, they're not in a position. They don't know what they're talking about. Well, what necessarily gives someone the credibility to talk about these things? I mean, look, our president, our president right now is a reality TV star with no political background. Yeah. Um, or are they basing it off of education? Because if you look into that, like there were 12 presidents or something like that who actually didn't even graduate from college. Like it's yeah. just it's just something they say when they don't agree with something. And, and going back to the shut up and dribble comments, you had Laura Ingraham, who when LeBron had his decisive moments of just trying to come out and make some speech for the movement, um, she basically told him and KD to shut up and dribble. But then when Drew Brees came out and basically said that he doesn't think people should be kneeling, and this was before he truly understood it, she came out and praised him for this. And I'm actually going to play that audio just so people know what I'm talking about right now. It's always unwise to seek political advice from someone who gets paid $100 million a year to bounce a ball. Oh, and LeBron and Kevin, you're great players, but no one voted for you. Millions elected Trump to be their coach. So keep the political commentary to yourself, or as someone once said, shut up and dribble. Well, he's allowed to have his view about what kneeling and the flag means to him. I mean, he's a person. He has some worth, I would imagine. I mean, this is beyond football, though. This is totalitarian, totalitarian conduct. This mm -hmm. is Stalinist. And by the way, on the streets of New Orleans, we're looking at live pictures they're yep. shouting F Drew Brees. Wow. That's what, that's that's what this moment has done to the beautiful team this spirit is, of the New Orleans This Saints. is a great, he's a great Christian man. He's just that in particular shows you that there may be a lot more to this than just people wanting others to, you know, stick to sports. And to add one more thing, like a lot of the athletes that are speaking out on this, like obviously it's political because citizens and both sides of the spectrum make it political but you're not seeing athletes come out talking about their opinion on whether we should pull troops from afghanistan or whether this certain bill should be passed or whatever they're basically just advocating for the simplest thing which is for people of color and other yeah. citizens minorities in our country to be treated with the same respect and rights as as white people and like if you think that's something that they shouldn't be talking out about then clearly the issue isn't them yeah, Go and ahead. I think in going back to really the first point you made, it's all about this partisan ideology stuff, right? So, Christian, you mentioned Drew Brees. Another most recent one is Colby Covington, um, yep. mixed martial artist fighter. You know, he had the viral phone call with the president in his post-fight interview and was widely, you know, praised by conservatives for that. And it was like a great moment for them. And he actually even said on his interview, or he talked down on LeBron James in his interview for how LeBron, you know, is basically political and speaks out in the NBA. Yeah. When he is literally on the phone with the president of the United States, it doesn't really get much more political than mm -hmm. that. So this is all just, you know, this is really a partisan thing. It's not so much that 
people don't like that athletes are political. It's that people don't agree with the athlete's view. So they say that they don't want politics involved. Um, I'm perfectly fine with the stance of, you know, if you are so set in your political views that when people are very outright on the other side, you can't stand it. If you don't want to watch the NFL, if you don't want to watch the NBA, fair play to you. Don't watch it. Just don't watch it. Don't say anything. But Mm -hmm. to try and start these movements of, you know, boycott the NFL, um, you know, kick NBA countries out of the country because they hate it, blah, blah, blah. Like, first of all, going back to something we said, that's a little bit of cancel culture. Second of all, um, you know, they again, it's their right to free speech. They are being allowed to do this. The private corporations that run, that are over top of these guys are allowing them the freedom to express themselves. That's another important thing to notice there. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, like I just don't get it's all ideology. It's all that they disagree with the athletes. It's not that they don't want politics in sport. Yeah, yeah. Like one big thing is you see so many CEOs like kind of either donate or use like their company to support their political affiliation somehow like Under Armour CEO has shown that he supports Trump and like other companies either way either which way and that's like the main thing that you talked about is the NBA and other sports organizations are giving the freedom for their players to do this like they're allowing them to use their free speech if other companies such as Amazon or like Coca-Cola company or anything like that gave their upper level officials and their employees the ability to do this would you be as upset like if if someone came out in an interview and was like I work for coke and I hate whatever in terms of like one side or the other right or left would you be as upset instead of it being a african american basketball player like that's kind of thing you have to like look at it as a perspective no it really is and at the end of the day here i think an imp- an episode like this is super important because it can be informing to people who may ultimately just kind of be ignorant to the fact of why this like idea of sticking to sports has been something that's more so condemned nowadays. Um, It's not about just going out there and playing your sport as it has always been. Um, It's about much more than that. And it's about the country. It's about what's good for the country. And it's about making things right for everyone and equality for everyone. So when people say they want it to go back to the old normal, when athletes basically just went out in the field, played their sports, and were just entertainment for people, uh, that old normal doesn't exist anymore. The new normal is what we're living in right now. And, and that's a good thing. It is a very, very beneficial thing because athletes aren't just entertainment people. They are also people, and they deserve to be able to speak their voice just like anyone else should be. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then also going back to the point that Mommer made there about, you know, the corporations um, and what they've kind of done in the political sphere. You know, if you're and I'm going to set off a few bells here, probably. But if you're someone that is so anti these athlete, athletes, sorry, speaking up politically and using their influence as, you know, a, a, an elite person, I guess you should say, then. I guess you should in terms also be in favor of corporations not being able to donate millions and millions of dollars to politics. Yeah. Because if you don't like elite influence in politics, well then guess what? 
you should also be signing every freaking petition and bill that comes your way about to get money out of politics. To get money out of politics, because if you don't like elite influence and you just want people to think for themselves, fine, make that argument, but stay consistent with it. Which none of those people will, and that's the reason why I bring it up. Yeah, if you want politics to be for the common man, by the common man, or woman, that's obviously just a saying. But if you want it to be that way, then you need to do it all across the board. You need to have that opinion all across the board. Like, you shouldn't have the candidate that you're voting for then get $10,000 donation from a super PAC. You should have grassroots campaigns, and that's what you should be vying for as a as a voter. Yeah, that your point's spot on. Like, I just, it doesn't make yeah. sense. You can't be wish-wash on each side. And to go back to Barzi's point, you can't go back to the new normal when yeah. 50, 60, 70 years ago, these sports didn't allow other races to even be in them. That's when it got political. Yeah. Like, you literally weren't allowing certain people into your leagues. So I think these people have an absolute right to speak up on racial injustices and issues within the country when 50, 60, 70 years ago, people before them weren't even allowed to play in this league that they're now in. Well, yeah, and people say keep politics out of sports, and they've been saying this for however long. Well, let's look at the national anthem. Let's look at you know, military ceremonies. Let's look at presidents throwing the first pitch. These are all things that have been in sports forever. And that's about as political as it gets right there. So if you want a perfect example, look literally at the debate a couple days ago where one of Trump's talking points in his debate was that he brought Big Ten football back. Like something that would get voters to vote for him, he spoke of, was that he brought football back, at least in the Big Ten. Like if if your president's talking about bringing sports back, then clearly politics is intertwined with it, and you have to agree with it. Exactly. Well, and again, it all goes back to the point of people only disagree with it because it doesn't fall in line with their beliefs and their ideology, what the athletes are uh, specifically speaking about. Um, another example that I kind of wanted to bring up and sort of get both of you two's take on, since we've yeah, you know, we both watched the film on this guy. Um, time researching him, he comes up every year. Um, but Pat Tillman. So yeah. Pat Tillman, you know, played for the Arizona Cardinals. He was an Arizona State Sun Devil. Go Devils! Um, but he left the NFL to enroll in the military, and he was actually deployed. Um, and he was killed while he was deployed uh, by friendly fire. So just a quick little backstory there. A lot of people use him as a talking point of this is what, you know, when we talk about um, Colin Kaepernick kneeling or LeBron James wearing an I can't breathe shirt, people will post these pictures side by side with him and they'll say, this is what a true hero looks like, you know, stuff along those lines. And it's a huge, I'm going to say mainly conservative talking point, but a lot of people kind of misunderstand Pat Tillman. Um, So I guess question to both of you here, weigh in a little bit on that for me and kind of walk me through, you know, your experience with watching that documentary on him, the type of person he was and why it's a little weird that he's used as like a conservative, you know, talking point, look up to guy now. Yeah, icon kind of. Go ahead, Barzi. Yeah, he was made out to be ultimately this big right-wing poster child because he was the man who gave up his NFL career to go and fight in the military. And they they portrayed him in a light that he would have 
not like to be portrayed in. And this is where all the, the controversy and conflict comes in here. He was about as anti-war as it gets. I mean, you look at, there was a book written on him by John Krakauer, and in his diary, it, it, there's writings of him saying that what is going on is so incredibly illegal in the Middle East, and him talking a lot of rhetoric on this. Um, and I think that right there is interesting in the fact that it just goes to show he wasn't necessarily agreeing with what he was doing. He realized that once he got out in the Middle East and actually saw it firsthand that what was going on was not something he wanted to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, even to, to go off that, like, you see, like, accounts of people who are closest to him, like, at mm-hmm. his funeral in the documentary, obviously, um, his brother goes up to speak, and, like, he's a little, like, loaded and drunk, but, like, he's making points of that this is not anything that he would want. Like he doesn't want to be your martyr or your like sacrificial lamb. Like he just wanted to make things better. And like Barzi said, when he got over there, there's accounts that he said, like what is going on here is completely fucked. And I think when you tie in like Kaepernick and like Reed and guys like that, that are taking a stand in the NFL, I think if Pat Tillman was here today, he would be happy of what they're doing it for. Like he want, he'd want to see it be, a better place like America be a better place and justice to be given and like if you want to say Pat Tillman wouldn't be for that or he'd be disrespectful or he'd think it'd be disrespectful let's go to Nate Boyer who is literally the veteran who spoke with and is close with Colin Kaepernick with what he did and told him to maybe kneel instead of sit after he did it the first time like obviously not all veterans are going to be on the same wavelength or mindset of this but I think most would see that Pat Tillman would be this type of way. He wouldn't find it disrespectful. Well, and that's just where it all gets misconstrued. And that's all good talking points there. And the reason I wanted to bring it up is because when we talk about politics and sports, it's really people trying to make out a narrative that best fits their beliefs. So for him, a person who really probably doesn't agree with the majority of people that are now praising him, they've, like you said, Barzi, kind of made him sort of the right-wing poster child when, again, yeah, you go back to his diaries, his some uh, videos that he had sent people, he was not okay with what was going on in the Middle East after he was deployed, and he was very anti-war. In fact, uh, one of his top three most favorite authors is Noam Chomsky. Noam Chomsky, a huge non-interventionalist, he is one of he's been one of the earliest uh, supporters of Ber- Bernie Sanders. Both campaigns he's come out, so a very liberal person is what I'm getting at, and that's a guy that Pat Tillman subscribed to and believed in his writings. Um, so for them to kind of turn this narrative and again make it some big right-wing idol that you know, left his football team to go to fight and he's the true hero. Like, yes, absolutely. You know, it was a great sacrifice by him. And, and what he did was great for the country was, you know, given the timing of everything, I understand what, where he was coming from there. Yeah. Um, But he was a smart guy and he knew what was going on. And, and he was very vocal about that. But that doesn't really get talked about, right? So it's to the reason I brought it up was just how people can really flip politics and make it look like it's, you know, their side coming out on top that, you know, is the almighty, morally correct side when, you know, you don't really have your story straight there. Well, also what is most alarming about the Pat Tillman case in general 
is that the military ultimately tried to cover up the truth. So right away, right out of the gate, when he passed away, it was reported that he died in the line of enemy fire. Um, and Sacrificed himself for his platoon. Sacrificed, very yeah. heroic. And slowly, this idea was played up by NFL teams and the media for a while, but slowly the truth started coming out. And the truth was that he was killed in friendly fire. And it, it honestly kept on coming out. And there's been speculation that he could have even been murdered. Nothing like that has ever been proven. But this is these were all things that were kind of hidden from the general public. And I wouldn't be as surprised if some of our viewers still didn't know that. Just So that's why I thought it would be important to bring up. But everything that went on with Pat Tillman, the way it was handled by the military, and just even the media, it's really a sad story about a guy who, after his life had ended, he was made out to be something that maybe he wouldn't have wanted to be. Yeah. Something he didn't want to be and something he didn't want to really be portrayed as, right? Like he, back to Mommer's point with the, the big celebratory funeral, like he didn't want that. He didn't want to be this big, you know, public light guy that, you know, did everything and anything to be the true American hero. He wanted to, you know, be a courageous guy and make sacrifices for his family, for his country. But he didn't want to be, you know, on the headline of all the news networks and the front page of everything type of guy. Um, so, again, it's just a little disturbing that, you know, they really took that narrative and not only twisted it in a weird way, but really went against the guy's one wish and, you know, made him to be this public figure, which now, to your point, Barzi, like you said, most of our viewers probably don't know that. I would stretch that and say the majority of Americans don't because what gets spread nowadays is again, that he is, you know, a huge conservative hero and just kept his mouth shut when he was playing sports and then went and fought in the war. That wasn't the case. And, you know, to me, that's why it's a little unsettling in the stomach, but I digress. So we've talked a lot about politics and sports so far. And I think if we're going to be talking about this, something that, has to be brought up and something that we all know plenty about is the NCAA and how the NCAA has been interwoven into collegiate athletics and how it is done so in a very dirty way because these college athletes and college athletes in general are looked at as amateurs under the NCAA when ultimately they are pretty much anything but. So I know that Easton, you're still part of the NCAA, so I don't want to get too controversial here. But keep my mouth shut. <laughs> you keep it shut. But what do you guys think about the whole idea of amateurism and how the NCAA has conducted itself in relation to college athletics? I'll go first, I guess, because I don't think Easton's gonna <laughs> get too heavy on this, or I'll get a six-month suspension. But um. <laughs> The one thing I always talk about with this is, like, I ask people, like, can you explain to me, like, reasonably, how the NCAA is a non-for-profit organization? And no one can ever explain how the NCAA is a non-for-profit organization. Like, you can't. Because everything they do is clearly for-profit. But, yeah, I mean, when you look at that, you see, like, if we're following the same guidelines as, like, workers, like, laborers' rights and, like, unions and all of this stuff that all laborers have most laborers have in the united states or have the right to at least ncaa athletes are completely disrespected in regards to that like 
the people who oversee them and are technically their employers by giving them a spot in the NCAA don't give them any compensation for the work that they do. Well, they do. It's called education, which I might add, the NCAA doesn't oversee. No. The schools oversee that, and them being accredited oversees that. The NCAA doesn't oversee you getting your education, but that's apparently your compensation for being able to play sports and make them and your schools a bunch of money. Um, secondly, yeah, they to go back, they don't have the rights that workers normally should, and they're giving a service to the NCAA to make money off of. So when you look at it that way, how is it legal in any way? Like, how can you justify that when you see that the money that the NCAA brings in every year is billions of dollars? The school, that University of Texas alone brings in billions of dollars. They have their own TV network. But the football player who throws, like the quarterback who throws 250 yards every week and a couple touchdowns can't make any money off of it. Like, I just don't see... Like, this debate's going to go on forever, and there's people on each side that think, like, oh, it's it's the toll you have to pay to be a student-athlete to get to pro. It's like, well, literally the smallest percentage in each sport makes it to professional sports in their respective sport. Like, every other kid is just going – like, if you play track and field, and this is no offense to track and field athletes or, like, a lot of smaller sports athletes, baseball athletes at some schools, like, some of these guys have to work other jobs – to pay for school because they're not on scholarship baseball and a lot of those sports have way less scholarships than they have roster spots. Like there's other things that have to go on and then they still have to perform at the highest level of their sport or else they don't play. And so, and you look at that perspective, it's like just a little bit of money or at least the ability for them to go out and make money should be allowed, like off their sport should be allowed. Like, Say when we were playing, like Scott Capers, a kid we played with who eventually got drafted, should be able to go out to some company in Valpo if they wanted him to and be like on a poster or on an ad and get paid for it. Why not? It's his image. He's doing the work that's getting him noticed in the sport. Why can't he then get paid because they want him to because he's a noticeable athlete in the region? None of it really makes sense. And people can't answer why. Exactly. And I'm going to try to bring in a unique perspective here of the fact that, yes, right now I am both a student and an athlete here, but I'm also working. And so to kind of explain to you some of the difficulties there, I would go as far as to say that being a student athlete, I I don't want to say puts you at a disadvantage, but when you talk in terms of, okay, how do people normally move into the workforce? A lot of college students will do internships, right? And some of those will be year-long internships where they're with the company that whole year. And more often than not, they end up getting hired to that company as a result of that. Companies love um, people that they've already worked with that are familiar with their systems. And as a college athlete, that's extremely hard because you're talking, we maybe have a summer. And that's given if you're not required to play. So that we're talking maybe three months where you can do an internship. And if you can, great. Some people don't even ever have the opportunity to do one, which is a huge disadvantage. And then to your point, Momer, of being able to kind of market yourself and, you know, really uh, make financial gains off of what you've worked for. So you brought up a teammate of ours who is in professional baseball now. You know, he busted his ass to get to where he was. It's the same thing as if a student coming up, 
school, you know, was lasered in the whole time and was just years and years ahead of the rest of the students in, let's say, accounting. Well, what are they going to do? They're going to go get an internship, probably well paid at one of the top accounting firms because they've worked so hard at that. When you've worked so hard at something and you can't really gain from it, and this was the example I'm going to bring in here. So for those of you guys who don't know who are listening, I currently do personal training as a part-time job. However, what I cannot do is I cannot advertise myself as a Valparaiso baseball player. So I can't you know, put posters out and give cards out that says, hey, come and train with me. You know, I'm a division one baseball player. Um, I basically I know my stuff. I know what I'm doing. I've been through these programs. The same thing that if a guy that, let's say, played for the Arizona Diamondbacks did, he would get a lot of people to come just because he played professional baseball. You would have numerous, you know, younger athletes that just want to work with that guy. But we can't advertise ourselves like that. So I have to stay kind of behind the scenes and and just do the work that's handed to me where so I would have huge opportunities otherwise if I was able to advertise myself as a Division One athlete. But you mm-hmm. can't do that because the NCAA strips you of, you know, the right to promote yourself. So to me, the system is just like it's getting to the point, especially with how society has progressed and you know, the different things people are doing to find themselves in a good position in the workforce, those avenues just aren't as available to student athletes. And like you said, they, you know, the whole thing is you're getting paid in your education. Okay. Well, the majority of people can find scholarships one way or another anymore. And to baseball, track and field, we talk about the scholarships available you're usually talking that people are getting a small portion. If you're an exceptional athlete, you might get a full ride, which is great. All the power to you. But your average NCAA athlete is getting, you know, just a fraction of their school covered for them. So this is nothing. It's not like, you know, we're leaving school debt free, maybe even up a you know, 10 grand from refunds. That's not the case the majority of the time. So that whole argument that, oh, they're getting an education and they're getting it all paid for usually is not really even the case anyway. So no, that holds true for the very tippy top of collegiate athletics, whether basketball, football, that's conference pretty much wise too. And, and conference wise. Yes. Yeah. That's pretty much what it comes down to. The, the very big majority of college athletes are not seeing the, those huge scholarship, that, that money. Uh, and Easton, you touched on it and you were going into it. And it's something that I think is a really good thing to bring up. And, and I never, ever talked down on my experience at Valpo Valparaiso college athletics. Cause I loved all of it. It was so very beneficial to me in so many ways. And there really wasn't one part that I could point as bad. I loved every single part of it, but you brought up the idea of the internships and not being able to kind of get ahead in your game. And I realized I see a lot of college athletes sometimes slow out of the gate once they graduate from college, because they don't have those things to fall back on. They don't have the internship. They don't have maybe just those extra clubs, those extra things you'd be doing um, outside of your sport, because yeah. the sport really does take up most of the time. And I think that's a very interesting idea to bring up because like you were saying, the NCAA doesn't really allow these athletes to do anything that could help them afterwards. Cause like you said, Mommer, most athletes aren't going on to play at a professional level, a, not even just most, 
a very, very, very overwhelming percentage. majority yeah. is not going on to play. And, and this another example of this is there's been plenty of examples of like YouTube channels where these athletes have a separate YouTube channel on the side and they have to ultimately choose whether they need to go along with the YouTube money they're making or to give that all up and go play at the collegiate level. So it's just these are decisions that shouldn't have to be made by these people. And it really is just mind boggling. Yeah. Well, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, I was just going to say quickly something that has really kind of exposed that recently. And I mean, to his credit, you know, most people don't really label him as a super intelligent guy, but. LaMelo Ball goes over and plays basketball in Australia. He's got, you know, millions of Instagram followers. I don't know if he has a YouTube channel. It would be smart if he did. But he can make loads of money off of social media in itself, not to mention jersey sales um, and all the other things that come with being a paid athlete. And so he kind of exposed this whole system of, hey, if you skip college and you go play overseas, not only are you going to make a base salary, you know, if you are the type of player that's probably going to be drafted in the NBA, you're already going to have a huge following. So you can continue to rake in the money from that. And it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he literally made enough money that he is now a partial owner of the team that he played yeah. for in Australia. Were, so you're talking about house. talking about a Zion Williamson who had to go all of college, supposedly not being able to profit one single dollar when he could have signed supposedly well supposedly (laughs) when he could have signed when he could have signed huge shoe deals deals with any company you name it and continue you know he had a big instagram and youtube following as well he could could have continued to rake that in but where he goes to college now legally he cannot make another dollar until he goes to the nba so i mean if that doesn't show you how flawed the whole system is there you know there's no better way to kind of explain it yeah and like i when i talk about this with some people especially here in canada because like athletes college athletics isn't as big they always say well wouldn't it be disproportionate like you said like zion williamson would be doing ads for nike or like trevor lawrence would be doing ads for like a giant company and making a ton of money And yes, it probably would be because they're at a bigger school in a bigger conference, more facial recognition. But to go back to my Scott Capers example, like anything that you can do that can get you money. Like we went to Valparaiso University, school of 5,000, city of 36,000, 35,000. There's a ton of companies Mm -hmm. in that city. Yeah, they're not Fortune 500. They're not Nike, but that would gladly want to use a Valparaiso athlete as like a face for an ad or for a sponsorship that they have. There's a, and there's schools all over the country like that. There's like anywhere D ones in cities of like 20,000 people where the athletes at that school are the celebrities of that town and would still get ads and like sponsorship deals and anything. And so, yes, it'll be disproportionate, but people will still get what they can get and get paid for their comp or get compensated for it. Like, absolutely. I mean, I guess just a, a closing thought and you guys yeah. can add your your closing yeah. thoughts in as well um you know this whole idea that that politics shouldn't be in sports or sports shouldn't be political is really absurd because as we've all said many times you know politics is really a part of everything and yeah. no matter what sphere you go to it's going to be somewhat political some sort of regulations laws that you know govern whatever body 
is performing there. And so it's inherently political. And to say that these guys, you know, can't have a political voice, again, it's anti-free speech. And not to mention, you know, they're speaking from their experiences. So a big, a big criticism this year was, well, why doesn't LeBron James speak out against what, what's going on in Hong Kong? Well, it could just be the fact that maybe LeBron James doesn't understand the situation. Yeah, he's not informed on, on that. that and, 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 you know, these are this is coming from the same people that hate when people throw their political opinions out without being super informed on the issues. Well, if he doesn't truly understand what's going on in Hong Kong, could he, you know, do additional research and then maybe make a statement? Sure. But what does he understand 100 percent what's going on in the communities he grew up in? So for him to speak out about that, you know, to me, that is, again, him using his voice to try and make a positive impact on something that he fully understands. And the people that are against that don't fully understand that situation and they they don't get where he's coming from and that's why they disagree with him they don't disagree with him because he's being a political person if lebron james turned around tomorrow and was wearing a maga hat and saying that make sure to show up november and vote for president trump that same crowd that has pulled their pants down and taken a full time would just be all over him. They would love him. Yeah. They'd be, he, they would have posters of him in every corner of their house. To close it for me, that's spot on. Like there's been for me to hear, there's been no valid argument as to why they want athletes to just shut up and not talk about it. Basically like everything you just said is exactly what their argument should be, which is just honesty. It's it, like, I don't want to hear them talk about that opinion because it's different from mine and I don't like it. Other than that, like, there's no other answer you can give. And to people listening that might be in that like spectrum and don't want to hear athletes talk about politics, just be honest. Like, I, I won't be as upset with you as if you just were lying about the whole situation of why you didn't want them to. Just say, I don't agree with them, so I don't want to hear it. And then, okay. like you said earlier, then if you don't want to hear them, don't watch. Don't, like, and- tune in to LeBron James speaking post game about stuff Colin Kaepernick speaking post game about stuff that's all you have to do be honest with me and then don't watch that's my advice yeah and Easton you said it best and and we we all know it but politics truly are a part of everything and that's just what it comes down to if you're one of those people who doesn't want to see politics and sports I'd say, honestly, maybe just open yourself up a little bit. Try to understand what is going on in this country. Try to understand why it is that people are taking so much time and effort to make it known of the issues that are going on in this country. Because they are very valid issues, and they are issues that are much, much, much more important than anything that is going on on the field or the court or anything like that. That's what I'd say. Yeah, Yeah, and just be willing to have a conversation. I know I said I was giving my closing thoughts, but I have to build off what you said there. Uh, Just be willing to have a conversation. Like, again, what Mommer said, you disagree with them politically. So don't come out and try to create this narrative that it's not. Have a conversation. Say, I respect, you know, their their right to, to speak on what they believe and what they think. But... I don't agree with it because of this. And then we can sit down and have a conversation. And I will always, always 100% give the same respect. I've never had any problem with, say, the the Colby Covingtons of the world who 
have a phone call with the president after after their fight and you know they call everyone in their sport a snowflake liberal blah 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 like do i think it's a bit ridiculous sure do i agree with him absolutely or do i disagree with him absolutely but am i okay with his right to do that and have those conversations 100% that's the yeah. way it works you have to be okay with that and you you know you're going to disagree with people but that doesn't mean you just shut them down and that is the tea Easton, you know what time it is mm. It is. It is the Barzy rating time. We almost forgot about it there. Mommer, of course, I'll ask you to put your input in as well. But Barzy, you're coming hey, off two yeah. average performances, I believe. Take it easy. Six, Hansi, six to seven range. Um, but you, you had a good bounce back today. You were solid this episode. Well spoken. You came prepared. You know, I thought having the guest of the magnitude of Michael Mommerstieg on might scare you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> might might put some droppings in your drawers, but you did well. Um, yeah, I'll give you, this. This pains me, but I'll give you a nine three today. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Um, as a guest, just happy to be on this. Get invited to be on the show. Haven't seen Barzi in so long. It's just nice That's to hear great. him talk. Great to see. Um, I can't give him a bad score in any way, and I can't give him worse than Easton because Easton's given him average scores before. And now he's giving him something good. So I'll give Barzi nine because I can't give him perfect. I mean, no one I'm is, get, right? I'm Even getting emotional. No I'm is. getting emotional. He did good today. He, <laughs> he did, did good. good. He was prepared. It was a good discourse between all three of us. Barzi was right in it. Nine Listen, five. There's a, I have a theory, and it's, you know, Barzi, you have one moment each week. One moment <laughs> that you choose to be semi-decent and make intelligent remarks. Sometimes you bring that to this podcast, and it's great when that happens. But I know now, for the rest of the week, everyone who interacts with you is just going to be miserable because you've yeah, used that sucks moment. to be them. <laughs> I used it all up. And, you know, this was an important episode for me to get it right. So those re- those ratings, they mean a lot to me, guys. So, Mommer, I want you to take us home today. I want you to take us home just because I'm going to put you on the spot here. No, we'll do it. I'll no, drop you won't do it. if you make me do that. <laughs> All right, Easton, take us home. All righty. Uh, episode will be on all the regular platforms, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. Thank you guys again for tuning in. And uh, out, Gallery. Oh. <laughs>